Welcome to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets getting set to wrap up a five-game road trip tomorrow night here in Chicago when they take on the Blackhawks. Blue Jackets have fared pretty well on this trip. They've gone 3-1 and one in the first four. And Jody Shelley, the first three games, uh, the Washington game to start the trip off, that was a great win. You get it in the final minute. Boone Jenner scores with about 45 seconds left in the game to win it. Buffalo, you get down by two goals, battle back, go to overtime, win it about 14 seconds in. And then against Montreal, it was a tight game, 1-1. Patrick Laine scores with eight seconds left. You get the win there. And then last night, the Blue Jackets come to Calgary. They lose 6-2, to two, and there were some things that have been problems for the Blue Jackets that really stood out in that game once again last night, and I'm talking mainly about turnovers. Yeah, and we, we always talk about there are teams in the league that won't necessarily make you pay right away with turnovers, and there are teams that will pay make you pay in a short period of time. And, yes, last night against the Calgary Flames, just like they did in Columbus when the Blue Jackets uh, hosted them there. Puck management. And what is puck management? It means in a 2-1 game, you make the right decision, and you, there's areas where you just try not to throw the puck. But, you know, you also want guys to be creative, and it's a young team, and there's going to be mistakes, and there's going to be sequences you look back on in losses, and there's going to be some that you'll ignore in wins. And that's the art of learning and growing is, is this uh, organization now where it's at. It's the art of figuring it out so bad habits can be stomped by young players and forgotten and things become automatic and, and um, you know, th- then you can grow. And I think that's the balance here is that uh, you're going to give guys other opportunities. It's not one and done. It's not two and done. It's not ten and done. In, in some situations, guys are still going to be put on the ice with this, where this organization's at and things are going to happen. And, you know, that that's it's a game of mistakes. And if you can cover up mistakes or – uh, they get brushed aside because uh, a great save was made or a great block or something like that. Then you hope that that's the lesson, but sometimes players need to go through it a little more. So unfortunately for the Blue Jackets in a 2-1 game last night, uh, you know, a couple plays, and, and, and you knew going in, you had, to be, you had to be sound with the puck, especially in the middle of the ice at your blue line, and you couldn't get caught outside of battles, outside the dots on the boards, and, you know, you gotta, you gotta get that save. And for a goaltender, you ask him to get the save, but you know he's the last line of defense. And the three things that happened before that were uh, two forwards made a mistake and a defenseman. So you know, I mean, not, I'm not looking at one sequence, but I'm thinking, you know, that's the they are that's the luxury of. And you've been a goalie parent, so you understand even probably more is that, you know, the goalie can't make a mistake. He's got to rely on his positioning, and and he's got to be the hero every time. And well, you're not getting it. So yeah, great trip so far. Of course, last night was a game you go into and hope you keep things rolling. I think the bitter taste is how they lost the game because they gave it away again. And, you know, you think you're past that when you're over 40, 40 games into the, the season, but obviously not. And, you know, Bob, we are in a day-to-day, probably minute-to-minute business where you analyze, you watch, you have feelings about certain players or certain plays, and you know, and when it's when you win, it feels better. When you lose, it feels worse. So, how do you find the middle ground and be real, realistic about where you're at? And and that's where it's important for uh, not only us as broadcasters, but you know, you look at Yarmo, that job that him and his, his uh, hockey ops staff, staff has. It's a balance. I mean, sell, 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 buy, buy, buy. I mean, it's you know. What do you do? <laughs> you don't ring the bell every day. Well, I'll tell you this. What the the reality of it is, and which was on stark display last night, is you do have a young Blue Jackets team that's trying to figure out who they are individually, who they are as a group. You have a Calgary Flames team 
that has it figured out. I mean, th- this is a team that they feel like they can go a long way once the postseason comes. They just added Tyler Toffoli prior to that game yesterday to get some more depth scoring. They give up a boatload for him, and he's on the third line to start that game. But he's a guy that can score. He gives them added depth, and it's it's just, again, it's a fact of life. I mean, here's Calgary. They've been building. The Blue Jackets went through their building. They went through the play- to the playoffs for a couple of years, and now they've had to change personnel. So they're building again. But Calgary is a team that uh, they're ready to take that next step. Yeah, I mean, that's a great indicator when you go get a player like Toffoli before, you know, noise even really gets going on him because he's a player they like and they've identified. So, yeah, they got their shirt and shot in the arm in the locker room, uh, you know, as far as, hey, telling the players we're going for it because they have great goaltending. They've got nice young D. And they've got great forwards and a few that have won. So And they have a good coach. So, yeah, you know, there's going to be more teams do that. So And you're right. Think back to when the Blue Jackets were making additions and play against teams that were younger. And, you know, you watch those teams leave the, the arena and think, oh, you know, yeah, you're in a different spot, but you're not going to be there for long. And, that, and that's what I think about the Blue Jackets. I mean, here we are back traveling with the team. You see the camaraderie that's being built, but you really keep an eye on the guys like Jenner, Sillinger, Wierenski, the guys you know are going to be here for a long time, and how they uh, bring people in and how people interact with them and how they play on the ice and how their efforts never questionable. Corrales, another one. You know, there's there's guys here that will be Blue Jackets for a long time, and this is tough for them, but there's also going to be a, a spot where this pivots, and this team is again adding. Um, but right now, you know, you look at it, they're, they're probably not going to be in the playoffs, and, and they're probably going to be getting a good pick, and it's probably going to be a little painful for a year or two, but – uh, once you get back, you want to build a team that will win a Stanley Cup, and that's the goal. So does that mean getting the 14th pick this year and the, just miss the playoffs? Or does that mean, hey, you know what, they're probably going to sell and move along. And, and I think these are the critical times. This is when you see people's character. Because in the playoffs, you're going to face games where you feel like we did, like they did last night, where it's game two, and you're going to be in the second round, and you're going to be like, that was terrible. It's okay. How do you regroup and how do you bounce back? And, and they've had moments this year where they've bounced back. I mean, last time they played Calgary, they lost 6 nothing. Then they beat uh, New York the next night. And, you know, but there's just inconsistencies. So you, you just look to the next and you watch people closely and uh, we'll see what we uh, see how this, this finishes. But, well, we're still having some fun. One, yes, that is true. One thing that I do like about this trip is after winning the Washington game, this is how I felt. I think I might have said it on the air if I didn't. I'm about to. Um after you win the Washington game, to me, if you're not on a three-game winning streak by the time you get to Calgary, that's a fail because you looked at the teams that you were playing next, Buffalo, and look, it's not that they're a terrible team. They're getting better, but they're a beatable team with the season that they've had. Montreal, just awful with you know their record. They Eight wins is all they have. So, you know, they did get those wins, and that was important. I don't care how they got them. When they showed up in Calgary, they had a three-game winning streak. I think that's important. As you were talking about, the little the baby steps to get to the big steps, that's all part of it. you got to win the games that you're supposed to win, right? And what are the games you're supposed to win? Well, there are teams that are below you in the, as far as their plan for the rest of the season or their trajectory, and they're the teams that are below you in the standings. And so, you know, yeah, exactly right. Bonus, you go into Washington – to me, that's a 50-50. Can you beat them? Yeah, you can beat anyone any night, but you've got to play well. You've got to have good goaltending. And you're right. You go into Buffalo, it's got to be last-second heroics. In Montreal, the same thing. So it's all good. You know, you get certain people going, and, and you get veterans going. You get young kids in the lineup. You may, you see good things happening. 
and uh, you put some shine on it. But yeah, now you see how they react again. You're right. They, they, they've got to win those games. They've got to string some together. It's important for growth, and it's important for these players in an 82 game season to be able to have small victories and and to be able to build on and remember that with what that feels like. The irony is in tomorrow night's game, they're taking on Chicago. That's the other first round pick that they have. So you they know, don't want to win that one. No, they no, you don't want to win that one, or or you do want to win maybe it. I don't know. What do you want to do? Maybe you'll be in net. No, I don't want to win it. No, no that's my personal opinion. You know? Did you say me being there? Yeah. Oh, goodness <laughs> You think Elvis was upset last night? I would be way more upset <laughs> yeah. with myself. And yeah. uh, everybody would be upset with me, I can tell you that, too. Well, speaking of goaltending and defense and overall team play, coming up next, we're going to be joined by Blue Jackets defenseman Gavin Bayreuther, a guy that came into the organization last year. He left briefly in the summer on paper and then re-signed with the Blue Jackets. And that is something that he was very eager to do. We'll talk to him about that, and you'll get to know Gavin Bayreuther intimately as we continue with the Inside Edge here on 97.1, The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets moving on from Calgary to Chicago now to finish off this road trip. I'm Bob McElligot alongside of Jody Shelley, and today we are joined by defenseman Gavin Bayreuther. And uh, have you enjoyed your long trip here? I sure have. Uh, every day in the NHL is a great day. <laughs> Absolutely right. You had before we started, we were talking, and you said, "What did you build this trip as? The COVID makeup trip?" Yeah, the COVID makeup trip. That's exactly uh, what exactly. it is. Right? All the canceled games earlier on. Yeah, that's right. They kind of just jammed them all into one thing. Moved that Washington game from April to the beginning of it just to get it all kicked off. But it uh, it has been good. It has been fun. And you know, even though it's the second half of the year right now, and you've actually been here a long time at this point, you've been here for a while, but. Is it good to, as you start the second half out of the All-Star break, to get a trip like this where you get a chance to get that camaraderie as a group again? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I've thought about was is with kind of the mid-season, guys were kind of leaving unexpectedly with COVID and injuries and all that. But now we have a full team pretty much, um, minus a few guys. But it's it really is bringing us together. Um, a lot of time on the road, a lot of, a lot of forced uh, team fun, which is good. Um, Super Bowl party, uh, all that stuff. So, uh um, as a guy who's been called up uh, from early in this season, I'm really starting to get close with all these guys and uh, making friendships. That's a great point you make about the COVID because all of us here had our bouts with yeah. it and had to miss some time here. So uh, you're right. And as a team member, you're sitting there and you, you don't know, okay, today we have this group. Who are we going to have tomorrow? Who are we going to have the next day? And that's now between all the guys that have had it and uh, the uh, the rules kind of backed off a little bit now. It, has to make you feel a little bit better that you know who's going to be here and who's going to be available, right? Exactly. Um, I mean, we have our few injuries, but uh, yeah, um, we're, we're a team now and we're starting to win some games, put some put some wins together, and uh, I think that's a lot of that's on uh, just becoming becoming a closer team and uh, getting that camaraderie. So what what's it been like for you? Because I watch you on the ice and and I like the way you play and and you seem to have this fearlessness in your game. Um, is that something you learned when you were in college, or has that always been your way? Um, I used to be soft. I used to be a very soft hockey player when I was super young. and uh, A word that hockey players never use to describe themselves, by the way. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's. I feel like your game is the same way. It's honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've, I just think it goes to, to being a guy that's been sent down a few times to the AHL. Uh, I've seen both sides, and... Uh, you got to do really anything you can to to show the coaches and the management and the fans uh, that you want to be on the ice every night, and uh, that's something that that I've taken with me. Uh, I've added more of a, a physical element to my game. Um, 
I used to be very offensive in college, but uh, obviously I'm not taking the first power play from Morensky. That's just not happening. So I'm trying to find a little mo- uh, a little groove in the in the in the lineup and uh so far it's going well yeah and you're 27 years old you've played almost 60 games in the league now and was there a coach or a moment or a send down where someone's like hey this if you, if you haven't figured this out this is how you have to play yeah um I had my up and downs with Dallas uh where I first started after college and then uh I signed I went to the bubble with them I watched a lot of hockey um Every night I was watching hockey, whether it was Dallas or, or other teams. You guys were in the bubble, I'm sure. Maybe oh, you weren't, but there's nothing to do there, so you go and watch uh, Edmonton play Calgary or whatever. So you could go in the be. building. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so I watched a lot of hockey. I learned a lot from other players, and then uh, after that season, I I signed with Columbus and uh, right at training camp, I th- I thought I belonged here. Um, I, I mean, management might not have thought that, but I thought I did. So I went down to the AHL and, and played like that, played my own role, and. Uh, Coach McCarthy, who's now up here, kind of uh, let me play. And uh, I tell people that he's he's helped change my career and turn my t- career around. Um, um, and, uh, yeah, this season, I, you guys saw, I got sent right down. I was pretty upset about it, but believed in myself. And uh, here I am. I think this is, I don't know, mid-20s I've played this season. Uh, but, yeah, I'm on about almost my 60th game. And that 50th game was pretty cool. Uh, that was a bit of a dream for me. Um, now I, I want to get to 100. That's good. You got your goals aligned. And and so McCarthy changes your career. What happened? Like, what does he do? We talked to Zach about him, and he goes on and on about how he's very relaxed. Yeah. Is it a combination of things? Yeah, I mean, he, he retired, I don't know, seven years ago or something. So he's he's been around the league pretty, pretty recently, and he understands that every shift you're going to make mistakes. It's not perfect. Best players in the world turn the puck over. He understands that, and uh, – he lets you. He sends you right back out there with the same amount of confidence, and uh, that's something that you need to to be successful. But as soon as you lose that, you start thinking about the game too much, thinking about reads you may or may not make, and uh, that's that's when you start struggling. And you grew up in New Hampshire, right? Correct. Kind of a hockey hotbed around there, but not where you grew up. You were a small town, were you? Yeah, I live uh, a bit in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. Um, my dad every single winter built an outdoor rink, and uh, my friends and I would do our homework early, so uh, we could we could go out and play out there all night. And I think that's where my career started. So Bruins fan? Uh not massive. I lived in Colorado for for two years when I was ten and eleven, and that's when they uh, when they had Ray Bork and won the cup, and that's kind of where my I was a big Joe Sackick fan. Um, but I like the Bruins. I don't love them. I like I like uh, watching them. I like watching my all my friends root for them and see them fail. I, I kind of enjoy that. <laughs> see, like, I, I feel the same way because in Canada, it's either Montreal or Toronto in the East. You know what I mean? Yep. And so, yeah, there's fans that – and it, that's the greatest thing about sport is that you you can root against people and have just as much fun. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Blue Jackets defenseman Gavin Bayreuther here tonight. How does the guy from small-town New Hampshire wind up at St. Lawrence University? Um, it's a good question. Small school. I was from a small town. Um, there's only about 2,400 kids there, which is a, a really small college, especially Division One. That's pretty unheard of. Um, my parents uh, still work at a, bo- uh, a prep boarding school, um, and a lot of their coworkers uh, went to St. Lawrence University. My high school hockey coach went to St. Lawrence University, so it was kind of just uh, aligned. Um, my coach in high school emailed the the college coach at the time, Greg Carvel, he came and watched a game, watched a couple more games, and next thing I know, I was committed there. Wow. So, so that 
it's easy to connect the dots. I guess right? so, yeah. But uh, I was I was a nobody. Um, unheard of. I went to a school called Holderness School, which is a mainly a ski school. Uh, 280 kids, uh, 180 of them play, ski. So uh, we have an outdoor rink, and uh, we we my first my first year we lost. Uh, we only won three games. We were like three and 28 or something. So uh, I've been, I've I've seen it all, and uh, I'm continuing to go. Did you help to turn that program around? A little bit, yeah. My my last year, we we lost in the finals. So uh, it was oh a bit wow, of a, that's quick. a big turnaround. Yeah, it was big, big turnaround. It, St. Lawrence, that area of the country for people who have not been that far up in upstate New York is uh, it's incredible. Now in the wintertime, it's a different kind of incredible, but it oh, is yeah. a it's great country, isn't it? What a great rink that they have there oh, too. It's awesome. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, they just redid it. Um, Last year, I haven't been back. I want to get back. But my little brother's a freshman there. He's playing lacrosse there. So uh, I'll definitely get back soon. That's awesome. What was that college experience like for you to, you know, it, it set you up. As you mentioned, Dallas signed you after you got out of college. But just that experience of going there and playing Division One. what did it do for you as a player? Yeah, uh, I was a very late bloomer. Um, I didn't grow until I was, I don't know, 16, 17 years old. So uh, I went there, got a lot of opportunity. Um, met my wife, met some of my best friends there, and uh, I don't know, I'm forever grateful for it. The coaches there, my friends, the friends I've made. Um, I, the This one cool thing that I always talk about was you build relationships with the kitchen staff there. Um, they love hockey. Everyone loves hockey there because it's all, all you do. So the kitchen staff's hooking you up after, uh, after games and uh, yelling your name at the meal room and cool things like that. That is awesome. And then – you get out of there, so you grow up in a small town. You go to college in a small town, and lo and behold, you sign with the Dallas Stars, and you wind up in Austin, Texas. Not such a small town. No, no. Uh, <laughs> one of the best AHL places to play, though. I can't deny that. See, now, we didn't get to experience that. Austin came after yeah. our tenure in the uh, American Hockey League. You guys should visit. You yeah, should I've visit. heard that. Now, I'll just stay in the NHL. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, tell me why it was so special, though, honestly. Uh, it's just, it's, I think it's the fastest-growing city in the country, and uh, I think there's reasons for it. Um it's warm all year round. When in doubt, you can put a sweatshirt and sweatpants on, and you're fine. Um, uh, I love golfing, so you can golf all year round. That was a big sell. Uh, we lived in a pretty cool area. Um, yeah, you just got to go visit. <laughs> all right, I'll visit. I'll visit. Tonight, we are talking with Blue Jackets defenseman Gavin Bayreuther. Our conversation continues here on the Inside Edge right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets wrap up their five-game road trip tomorrow night here in Chicago against the Blackhawks. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley, and we're joined by Blue Jackets defenseman Gavin Bayreuther. Before we took the break, we were talking about the fact that you played your college hockey at St. Lawrence University. Then it was on to the Dallas Stars organization. That's the first team that you were with. That's the team that signed you, and you went to the American Hockey League. What did you find out very quickly coming from college to pro that you had a change in your game. I know you talked about you were you were a soft player before, but was that a an eye opening experience to make that leap from Division One to the American Hockey League? Yeah, uh, the biggest thing is uh, every night you got to bring it. Uh, I I was going from playing whatever thirty five games or something like that in college to to playing seventy four or seventy six, however many you play in the AHL. So I'd have two good games and then I would I would be awful the next night or something like that. And to be able to bring it every single night is something that's uh, that's hard to do. I still struggle with it, but. Um, Best players in the world do it, and uh, that's why uh, that's why you get paid the big bucks. You mentioned your parents were at a prep school. Are they teachers? Uh, they were originally, but now they both work uh, actually in the same office in the admissions. So they uh, they recruit the kids, they do the interviews, they uh, help them with financial aid or whatever it may be, and uh, they're kind of the first people you meet when you enter that school, Cardigan Mountain School it's called. 
Right on. So anyone that has parents that work in a school, they've got to be a pretty good student, right? Uh, I struggled academically. Uh, very. I struggled hard academically. Um, but without them, I, I would have gone. I don't know what I would have done. Would they have recruited you? Would they have recruited you if you weren't their son? Well, I would have gotten in either way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Um, something. I mean, that's another thing. When it's me going all four years of college, is that uh, continuously you got to do your homework. You got to stay on things even when you don't want to. You got to go to class, and uh, it, it matures you. Yeah, and and did you get a degree? I did sociology. Um, with a minor in sports management. So, uh, yeah, got that degree and uh, ready to use it whenever. Yeah, but you don't need it right now because you fit in now w- uh, due to injury and the depth chart you've shown yourself. And, and um, there's a lot of people that get to play or get the opportunity, but they don't get the opportunity to play. Do you feel like um, you're getting a little rhythm now? Yeah, yeah. Um, the first, I don't know, X amount of games, first 15, 20 games, you're you're going game by game, so you're you're a little nervous. You don't want to you don't want to make mistakes, but at the same time, you want to show everyone that you belong here. But once you get a little, once you get a little com- comfortable, comfortable is the wrong word because you should never get comfortable here. But uh, once you once you kind of find your role in, in the lineup a bit, and you can kind of uh, expand on that and get a little more confidence, um, make a little extra moves. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. You know, those are two words. You, yeah, you're right. You don't use comfortable or soft, right, Bob? <laughs> so right. in the National Hockey League. But we got to ask. Usually if you're soft, you never get comfortable anyway. <laughs> yeah, right? No. right, exactly. But, uh, you know, you've had some experiences now, Pro, but now when we look back at the expansion draft, talk to us about that experience and what that was like for you to get picked up uh, by the Kraken. That Your 10 been, minutes of fame with the Seattle Kraken. That must have been Kraken. so strange for you personally. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, I was as shocked as anybody. I was a fan in it. Uh, so you watched it? I watched. Oh, well, yeah, I heard about it that morning because like ten o'clock a.m. or whatever the the lineup the, the decisions had to be made and Chris Clark called me about ten o five and I'm like, oh maybe they maybe they want to sign me again because I was unrestricted and uh, they told me that news and I was I mean it was awesome it was cool it was cool fame uh, I mean the decision was the decision who knows what actually went went in with it went in right but uh, I knew I wanted to come back to Columbus because I I truly believe that I belonged in Columbus. Um, I had nine games there last year, and uh, I thought I belonged, and I got sent down the le- before the last game, so I had to go play. Instead of playing one more NHL game, I ended up playing five AHL games, and that was a bit of a little shot to the gut, but it was awesome. I needed it. Um, kept you hungry. Um, kept you wanting more. Talk with Gavin Bayreuther, and when you're talking about that, and you said that you needed it, and Jody, you went through this same thing where you get a chance to come to the National Hockey League and then you get that call or somebody taps you on the shoulder and goes, hey, here's your plane ticket. You're going back to the AHL. In your case, you just drive up 71 and you're going back to the AHL. But it is the attitude that you take with you that decides sometimes if you ever come back to the National Hockey League, right? Absolutely. And, and I know you've been there enough and up and down enough that, that you get it. And you just hearing you talk about it, obviously you get it. So that training camp, you were a standout in training camp. There's no doubt about it. Like when when it happened and you went down, I was like, well, it's too bad. That had to be a tough decision because he had a good camp. But it is attitude that really decides where you go from there, isn't it? Exactly. Oh, I've seen I've seen numerous players get sent down and have the worst attitude. I won't say names, but in previous organizations and it's too bad because that's it's you're just hurting yourself. Uh you have, you have more eyes on you when you get sent down than before, and uh, 
it's a long career. Um, some people don't make it until they're 30. Some people make it when they're 18. Uh, it all depends. But uh, you just got to show up to the rink with a positive attitude, smile on your face, and that's something that my uh, father taught me. Yeah, that is a great point about um, the eyes on you, more eyes on you, because your organization's eyes are on you. They want to see how you're going to react. They're going to see how they want to see how you're going to play there. And all the other organizations in the league are now saying, "Hey, this guy was just up in the National Hockey League. We might be looking for some uh, depth on defense. Let's watch this guy and see how he plays." It all goes back to that old adage about uh, every night that you play, mm-hmm. there are 31 other teams watching. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it if it doesn't work out with the one you're with, there's 31 other ones. If you take that night off, you might be stuck. Exactly. Yeah, you never, uh, you truly never know. So you got to bring it every single night, like I said earlier. Um, bringing, yeah, you, you you can't have off nights, and if you do, you got to you got to uh, if you if you talk about it on a grade scale, you, on a back to back night, sometimes you just want a B minus. A B minus is all you need, and uh, you're not going to have your A plus game uh, very much. But if you can if you can have a C plus B minus game, that's sometimes a good thing. You said that you wanted to come back to Columbus immediately. You knew that, and so when the Seattle thing. You know, when they take you and then they decide not to sign you, uh, how quickly did it come together where you were right back here? Yeah, I talked to my agent uh, immediately after, and he was a little baffled too, a little, a little confused. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I could have gone there. It would have been a two-way AHL, NHL contract. I would be sitting in Charlotte all year, uh, maybe with a call-up or two. You never know. But um, I was already going to get buried there. And But, yeah, I just I had this, this confidence that I've truly never had before that I, I truly felt like I did belong in the NHL with Columbus. And, uh and here I am. Now, because you became an unrestricted free agent, did Sean Corrali have to buy that number seven from you, or was that null and void the minute that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he he he. Uh, we still joke about it. he still owes me a dinner, but uh, yeah, no, I wasn't on the roster. I wasn't on the in the organization. So uh, when he signed at twelve oh one, when free agency opened up, he, the number was his. <laughs> what do you like about Columbus? I mean, you you get to know the city a little now, but what do you like about this organization in this city? Um. I'll talk about the organization first. Uh, when I first talked to them last year, they said, "I don't care who you are, where you get drafted, how much money you make. If if you're going to help our team win, we're gonna we're gonna play you." And that's something that they've lived with, and they truly do, to truly do believe in, and they still do. Look at other guys uh, that have been called up recently. Gaunt's uh, he's he's playing, and uh, it's it's a really cool thing because not many organizations I truly believe do that. Um, and then as a city, I'm, I'm now a family man. I have a wife and a, and a seven-month-old uh, baby girl, and uh, I feel very comfortable with them sitting at home, um, going on walks around the city. Very clean, very safe, uh, very friendly. We go to good, Gooddale Park a lot with our dog, and uh, the people there are very nice and friendly, and uh, they, they understand sports. They're very passionate about sports, and uh, you don't get that everywhere. What do you do in the summer? You go back to New Hampshire? No, uh, I bought a house uh, with my wife in Port in the Cape Elizabeth, Maine, right outside Portland, Maine. So uh, we live uh, less than a half a mile from the ocean and uh, complete vacation style. Uh, I don't skate for a month or two, and uh, we have fun. And we, we, we're getting a boat this summer, so we're going to go on the ocean a lot. Um, yeah, we love it. Just uh, Just the simple life of Maine. An amazing part of the world. It is. Vacation land. And for Canadians, it's kind of like Nova Scotia, very it's similar. exactly like Nova yeah. Scotia. But and what about training? Is there ice there available? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, uh, there's ice. There's actually there's a, quite a few hockey players. Um, Garnet Hathaway, Brian Dumoulin, they're from there. A couple of NHLers. They live in Boston now. They've, uh, oh, they've upgraded. Yeah, they, they've upgraded. <laughs> but uh, they, um, there's a lot of people that are, are passionate about hockey. There's some really good coaches that are from uh, Maine. And uh, so the training's good. 
skating's good. Um, I don't skate with a group of six or ten NHL guys, but uh, I skate with some other junior hockey players. And but that's what I did in New Hampshire. Um, my cousin was Ben Lovejoy. He uh, played, yeah, right. yeah, won a cup with uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, but he was the same way. He would skate with when he was in the NHL. Um, he would skate with me, and I was in juniors or college. And then it would be like these other high school junior kids. But he still got he still got great skates in, and and showed us what hard work is. And uh, I'm forever grateful for that. Isn't that amazing when you're around an NHL player and and see how hard they work? It's unbelievable, and how well they eat and uh, prepare. And we have an 8:30 workout. He's there at 7:45 stretching, stuff like that. Yeah, and well, he won two cups, right? He won one nope. or two. He won. Uh, he won one, and then signed with New Jersey uh, before oh, that's Pittsburgh right. won their second. That's right. What a mistake! Yeah. <laughs> Good he, to have a cousin like that, uh, right? Yeah. And he he, he wasn't he was he lived where uh, in Canaan, New Hampshire, where I grew up his whole life. Uh, he was undrafted um, defenseman. Um, same idea. Play had had some skill to his game, but as soon as he turned pro, he simplified it. And uh, he always says, "Off the glass and out," and it's kind of how he made his career. Do you still talk to him frequently? Oh yeah, uh, he texts me just about after uh, most games, and uh, um, I'll never forget. I one of my first games this season. I I was playing with Gavrikov, and we knew that we were gonna we were gonna uh, match against Ovechkin. So I texted him, and that was his that was his role. He would he would match against top lines, and he he gave me some good advice and stuff that I'll carry with me. That's Did it excellent. work? Did it work? Uh, all right. I mean, <laughs> Ovechkin scored in the first period through me, so I guess not, but. Yeah, but that right. well, you were in front of the net, the right? Didn't it? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, that's gonna happen. Yeah. yeah, I find that amazing because you know I used to always talk to my dad after, and it was always a um, after every game. It was always a confidence booster. You know, it was always like, okay, put me in the right frame of mind. But to have an NHL player like your cousin to be able to give give you tips, but evaluate you. Exactly. I mean, that's a nice little inside edge. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's been through it all. He's been even when he was in New Jersey making some good money. He was getting scratched, uh, so he he's seen it all. But he he's a good pro. And my uh, one of my years in Dallas when I played a bit with them, he got treated at the deadline to Dallas. So I never actually played with him, but uh, I was I was like on the taxi squad that year, and that was that was pretty cool. You were going to take his spot. That would have yeah, been awkward. Took, yeah, he took my spot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, one last thing I want to ask you about before we let you go, and when you said about this organization doing what they tell you that they're going to do, uh, and no matter who you are, you're going to play. Uh, what I was thinking about is last year when you were in here, you were playing for John Tortorella, which that has always been his motto, right? You, you can be a first-round pick. You can be make a gazillion dollars. If you are not doing it, if you're not carrying your weight, you're out. Somebody else is in. And then Brad Larson takes over this year. So it's a different coach, but, you know, people always ask me and, and wonder about that same mentality. So here you are in the dressing room. Does all of that accountability, all of that stuff is still the same, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. That's something that that Lars took from Torts. I don't know how long. Was he seven years, six, seven years yeah, he was years. under him? Something like that. Yeah, so uh, there's some Torts in uh, in Lars, but, he's, but Lars is just so positive, calm. Um, he knows when to, to push your button, but he also knows when to, to pump you up and – I've been very impressed with him. But it's quieter on the bench, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask you before we let you go. Um, you've dropped the gloves a couple times. Is that something you did in junior, or is that something you're just kind of feeling your way through? Um, yeah, I mean, I did it once. Or I mean, damn, my my longest fight's less than ten seconds, so it's nothing crazy. But uh, no, but you're willing. Yeah, um, that's something that. 
I tell people that's because I have a baby now, I think. Oh. I have a family. Um, actually makes me a little emotional, to be honest. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, I'll do whatever it takes. So That's excellent. Yeah. That's the drive that you just, I mean, once you become a parent, you know, it's not yeah. just about you. Exactly. Got to put food on the table for them. <laughs> That's right. They're actually uh, in the Bahamas right now living a five-star <laughs> life. <laughs> Which they should be. Yeah, as they should, absolutely. They're in the NHL, too, yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, did your mom make it to the game in Montreal? She did, yep. Yeah, so that, was, that had to be nice, right? Yeah, Only like 500 people were in there. Yeah, That's that's like a home game for us. It's like three hours away. Boston's two hours, so. She wasn't missing that. That must have meant a lot to you. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Gavin, thank you so much. We very, very much appreciate it. Uh, love watching you play, man. Like Jody said, everything is honest. Just watching you play, talking to you, uh, there's there's nothing to hide. Yeah. This is what you are. So thank you so much yeah. for sitting down with us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate thank it. You. That is Gavin Bayreuther, defenseman for the Blue Jackets. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McElligot, joined by Roy Firestone, who just had our last guest very emotional and brought tears to his eyes. Uh, just, I'm, I'm sure Gavin Bayreuther probably felt like Cuba Gooding Jr. and Jerry Maguire, right? You're not going to make me cry, Roy. <laughs> what a guy. What a great kid. I know. That was raw emotion out of Gavin. So proud of his family, appreciative of where he's at, and what a fun interview. He's a, a, a very pleasant kid to be around. He is. He is. And, and when we have conversations like that, it just, again, is uh, the appreciation. You said this earlier. We're back around the team. But these guys have come in, and they've really opened up to us uh, throughout the course of the year. And that's what has made it fun because we're not just dealing with uh, hockey answers. I was talking with Trey Fix-Wilansky about this yesterday. He was waiting to do an interview. And he was saying, you know, I watch NHL games and I see these guys in between periods and they do the same thing. Well, we got to be responsible. We've got to uh, have puck control. He said, they don't say anything. And, and I said to him, I go, I, I said, I know. And like when we're around all the time, we know who you guys are. And then we turn the microphone on and you're somebody totally different. And uh, he, so we were having that conversation. Then he went into his press conference and he was great. He was talking about, you know, playing in Calgary, which his family was coming over from Edmonton. But the very last answer that he gave, he went into one of those regular hockey answers and he got done. I looked at him and I said, you just had to get one in, didn't you? <laughs> um, but that's what's great about it. But these guys are, they're very honest and very open and, and it comes across uh, really well. And that's why we appreciate Gavin Bayreuther sitting with us tonight. Oh, you know, the guys played hard. Hey, they got it deep and they worked hard and we got it out and we got it in and we got to the bench. And yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it's funny. I mean, you get nervous, you get you just get sharp and, and you get guarded a little bit, but you're right. It's nice to be back on the road and seeing these guys. And, you know, there are moments where you think, wow, they, they might have missed seeing us around a little bit or missed seeing anyone around, maybe not us personally. Yeah, I, I think we just think that to make ourselves feel better. Yeah, to I mean, some that's, extent. that helps, right? Yeah, right. Every, every, everything's <laughs> whatever you can do. But, uh, yeah, just the long road trips, the guys on the plane, how they shuffle on and off, and then you see them in the elevator and they're like, hey, how are you? How's it going? You know, you just, I don't know, you're part of it. And, and uh, sometimes you don't feel like you, you are, but when you do get to be this close, it uh, it brings you in a little more, which is nice. Yes, it's very, very nice. Uh, well, the trade deadline's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, we talked earlier in the first segment when we talked about the Calgary Flames that they went out and they got Tyler Toffoli from the Montreal Canadiens to fortify their offense. And the thing about getting him is this isn't the rental player situation. This is not a guy whose contract is ending at the end of the regular season. This is a guy that still has two more years on his deal. So the Calgary Flames go out here and they make a nice play to get a good established player. 
and a guy that's going to be around. You know, yesterday I heard Milan Lucic doing an interview, and he was saying that, you know, what last year or two years ago, he was the only guy on the Calgary team that had Stanley Cup playoff experience or had won a cup. Now, with Toffoli coming on, they've got five guys on that team that have won a cup. So that is uh, – that's a good trade in my book. It's a guy wow. that's been productive, and he's got two years left on his deal. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's um, that's important. That's uh, it's amazing. And I talked to David Savard this week in Montreal, and I talked about his Stanley Cup ring. And you know, he took a step back. He was like, "It's in- it's incredible." And he said, "The wives got one too. Like the w- they made a Stanley Cup ring for the wives. A very, very, very nice ring." And I said, "You know, I don't know if you understand until you realize until you retire." how big of a deal that is. And, and you know, he kind of laughed and smiled. He said, I'm not sure, but I, I know right now how big of a deal it is, especially, like, just in Montreal. I can see it. I can feel it a little bit. So it's one of those things. And when you have guys, when you're on a playoff team and you're looking for a playoff push, and I remember in San Jose, you know, we had Rob Blake, Dan Boyle, uh, players that had won, you know, they brought in um, Claude Lemieux, Jeremy Roenick was there, but he hadn't won. I mean, there was there was four or five guys, you know, when they when they brought the message to the group, it was different. There was something different. And we were, us that hadn't won or didn't win to that point, it was like they were speaking, you know, we always thought we knew what it took or we always, you know, you, you can sit there and wonder. And, and But a guy that's been through it and hoisted it at the top of the mountain, uh, you you really listen. You really think there's an understanding there. And they wouldn't talk much. They would talk when it was important, which I found interesting too. It would kind of let the noise die down, and then they would speak. So, yeah, the value of getting Stanley Cup champions just for situations. And, again, I go back to, all right, start of the playoffs are exciting. Uh, Game six in the first round might be the hardest round this year against the Edmonton Oilers, let's say, a team that's struggling but going to get a goalie and might be on fire. Where does that experience come in where you can stand up and say, when we won the Cup this year – uh, in 2013 with or yeah 2014 with the Los Angeles Kings this is what we went through this is what we did this is how we got through it and those are moments where it, you know you can have a coach talk about it you can have a, some guy that's won it 10 times talk about it but when your teammate rises up and he says it and then you go out there on the ice with them it really resonates speaking of uh, a player that has multiple Stanley Cups Sidney Crosby last night scored the 500th goal of his NHL career look if he hadn't have had the injury problems that he had and that that concussion had kept him out for a long time he would have hit that number way earlier but um you know it comes through like I watch it come through I watch it on Twitter you know that he scored the goal it is just something that you expect yeah <laughs> with yeah. a player like that right it really is I mean it really is and you look at Ovechkin and where he's at and what he's trying to track down and I expect him to track that down I, I really do. do you yeah I do I mean he's 36 years old and he's playing like he's 22 years old right now he's the oldest player to score 50 uh, he's, he's the second oldest if he scores it this year he'll be the oldest to score 50 and he's 36 yeah I, I guess uh, he's on a mission though that's why that's why I say I expect him to yeah, get there he because doesn't play he can see it. it's not a it's not a hard game he plays you know it's not like he's he's not over battling overextending he stays healthy yeah but the Crosby thing yeah you expect it but that still I mean uh I loved how Gensel said we didn't talk about it before the game he said we didn't talk about it we just you know we're just gonna let it happen and and it happened and they were so fired up I mean that's 
that's hockey and that's Crosby. So he's been quietly. And it happens in a come from behind win against the Flyers. Yeah, of course it's the Flyers. Yeah. Yes, of course it is. That's the Flyers like, are on tilt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that that's just the icing on the cake. For Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. He gets the goal. We come from behind. We beat Philly. Yeah. And we send them back across the state. Yeah. They, they love yeah, At home. Yeah. The, fly, the the Penguins fans are smiling the rest of the week about that one. Yeah. That, that's true. Yarmir Yager turned 50 years old yesterday. They had a graphic on the scoreboard last night in Calgary that I I thought was amazing. It said he's 50 years old. He's in his 34th year of pro hockey. And there were three players on the Calgary Flames that were born when he started his career. That was it. Three. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, that, I mean, I forgot he was a Calgary Flame until I saw a picture on the wall. Yeah, I night. did too. I agree with you. The same thing happened to me. Uh, yeah, so, you know, happy birthday, Yarmir. 50 years old, still playing professional hockey. I, I mean, I'm doing it. I know he owns the team he plays for, but. He learned that know, from Lemieux too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, I got to play with him, and it's understandable. And, the guy, you know, he's just, a guy like Joe Thornton will retire, and but he's still a full-time hockey guy. A guy like Yager. It's all hockey all the time, and it's just he's always thinking about it. He's always training for it. He's always preparing, you know, and so I'm not surprised. I mean, when does it end? I'd say I, he might even – maybe it's this year. I mean, he's a milestone guy. So you think the 50 will be, like, perhaps he could look at that? I mean, if you're going to retire, you're you know, retired 51. Come on. How many tickets is he selling? Get it 50. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you're that's the right. owner. How many tickets Probably are you selling? Not, I don't know. How Probably much not. will my retirement affect the bottom line in the box office? Wonder I mean, that, do you go? If that factors do you go there. to the zoo to see the lion that's that's laying down and not moving, or do you go to see the lion that that gets up and and is a powerful big lion? And I feel like Yogs is you know somewhere at the end of that. And I, I with all due respect, you've t- <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, I do know you. I I just love your description of it. It's it's resonating with me. <laughs> um, but you've talked about the the workouts that he did when you played with him and that he drugged. You and Jake Voracek, yeah. Into. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago here on this show. So, from that standpoint, does it surprise you he's playing at fifty? No, no, and he could play longer. I mean, no, not at all. It does not surprise me. Um, the way he plays, the way he sees the game, with the way he processes things on the ice, the way he makes people better, the way you know, it's it's incredible how he see. You know, you think hockey's one or two approaches. He's got a completely different view of it, and it's incredible. I think that that, uh, that enables him to keep playing as well as his physical fitness and his – he trains for his very specific things. Like, he, he's he's so in tune with his body and so in tune with what he's got to get better at. that. Uh, it, and I played with him nine years ago. Was it ten years ago now back in Philly? That's just a long time ago. So, I think, you know, I think about him now. Yeah. Yeah, it's – it's amazing. I, I, I think it's great. I think it'll be a sad day when he leaves hockey as absolutely. a player. It absolutely will be. Blue Jackets in Chicago tomorrow night taking on the Blackhawks. It'll wrap up this five-game road trip. They're going to try to go 4-1 and one before heading back home to Nationwide Arena. It's a game you'll be able to hear tomorrow night right here on The Fan. I'd like to thank Gavin Bayreuther for joining us here once again on the Inside Edge. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.